The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to start this morning. We're talking about, uh, last, week, last time I, I thought we were talking about who will be a part of the rapture of the church. And we read the scripture where many come to, will come to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have done wonderful, many wonderful works. And the Lord will say, depart from me, ye cursed, in everlasting fire, for I never knew you. And there's a lot of people who believe they're going to be a part of the rapture of the church, but they're wrong. They will not be. And that is because their, their uh, beliefs are ill-placed. But Jesus himself gave us certain earmarks of a true believer. He gave us certain characteristics that we can not only use to measure ourselves, but we can also use to uh, not judge, but to qualify others that we encounter as to whether or not they may truly be a believer. Uh, as I said, not to judge, because we're not to judge any man. I can't, I can't judge anyone. If someone tells me I'm a believer, I, I, can't, I can't judge his heart. I, I don't know whether or not he truly is. However, if he is a believer, and if he has been properly taught on biblical doctrine and have been, has been taught the expectations of the Father, he should have certain characteristics that come forth in his life that allow me to have confidence that this is, in fact, a brother or sister in Christ, right? So, not only can we use these to, to qualify other people that we encounter, but we can also use them to judge our own behavior and, and to judge whether or not we are presenting ourselves in the, in the right way. Uh, are we, are, is our testimony before men right? And are we glorifying God by our actions? So that's, that's where we are now. And uh, I, I, I made four points last week. One I said is that um, who will be a part of the rapture of the church? Those of a penitent heart. A penitent heart, and by a penitent heart, we mean those who see themselves as they truly are. You realize today, you're just a sinner. You may be saved by the grace of God, but you're still a sinner. When God saved you, he didn't, he didn't make you superior to all other men. He simply redeemed your lost soul, but I'm still a sinner. And if I'm not careful, I'm capable of doing some pretty hideous things. So we need to see ourselves as we are. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's not talking about those, as we said also, that berate themselves or, or, or things such as that. But we, we are poor in spirit in that we realize we are depraved people and that we need the grace of God if we will live a life capable of glorifying the Father. Uh, we said, number two, those of a broken heart. A broken heart. 
And uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, we read, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I, I spoke about that, and I spoke about, do we have compassion for the lost? Do we truly have compassion for the lost? Are we, are we heartbroken when we see things taking place that dishonor God? Oh, we, we rise up in arms in America in a heartbeat if someone threatens our security or our liberty or our freedom. But what about the things that happen all day, every day, all around us that dishonor God? Do we, do we even have a concern about them? And I could launch off into some things here, but we're here to, I'm here to teach, not to preach. So I'm going to avoid that. That'll be for another time. But is our heart tender toward, toward God? Do we, do we, do we, are we brokenhearted? When we look around us and see the lost people, I, I think about it a lot of times, people driving by this church this morning. Some lost, totally oblivious of their eternal destination and could care less about it. But then I remember that was me 36 years ago. That was me who would get up on Sunday morning and pop a beer can lid and sit down in front of a television set and watch football or, or go hunting on the Lord day and curse up a blue streak and and laugh at people who were in church and all these many things and don't look at me too curiously because that was you too that was all of us but by the grace of God we would still be there so a broken heart the psalmist wrote they that sow in tears shall reap in joy he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. Uh, number three, I said those of a humble heart. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. A humble heart. And uh, we said that uh, humility is to respect other people. Humility is to uh, restore other people. Those are the attributes of, of a humble man. One who doesn't see himself superior. One who doesn't see himself too important, too important to stop and help someone who needs our help. That's humility, and, and that's Christian love, by the way. Humility really describes Christian love. That we don't think ourselves too important, that we don't value what we have too much to sacrifice it or to use it in, in helping, truly helping one of our brothers or sisters who need our help. And then we said, number four, those of a longing heart. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Uh, a, a, a longing heart. I said true Christians long to be in the house of God. Uh, I mentioned last, last time we met, Sundays are, are, are my favorite day. Because I get to come to church and I get to hear the teaching and the preaching and I get to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. I love Sunday. And, and a true believer longs to be in church. He longs for, for that day, that time when he can come and fellowship in, in the presence of, of, of his fellow believers as we worship and glorify Christ. I said that true believers love the word of God. Um, again, I'm not preaching. 
I don't want to get off on preaching. But this book should be the focus of your life. Uh, more important than anything else. Um, I used to, in, in every, every job I had, now the job I have right now, I can't. Because they don't even allow us to have a piece of paper on, on, and an ink pen on our desk. We deal with financial securities. And so we're not allowed to have uh, cell phones or pens or paper or anything whereby we could capture someone's financial information. We can't have anything. But I, I have my Bible in my truck. I have, I have a Bible in my truck. And on my break and at lunch, I go out and I get it out and I sit down and I read my Bible. And, and the Word of God should be important to a believer. Um, again, I'm not going to preach. So, uh. and, then, and then the other thing I said we should long for is the approval of God. The approval of God. I mentioned how, what do little children want more than anything else? They want the approval of their parents. They want mama to say, good job. They want daddy to say, good job. They want to, they want to be accepted by their mom and dad. And, and we, as God's children, desire his approval. We want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's a desire, that's a longing in the heart of a believer. A believer who doesn't care, someone who claims to be a believer, and they don't care what, what God or you or anyone else thinks of them, take a deep sniff and see if you can smell some smoke. Because you might be able to. Because a true believer is concerned about his, his approval of God, and he's concerned about being accepted by his brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, so let's move on. Number five, who will be a part of the rapture of church? Those of a forgiving heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, mercy is not giving one what they deserve. Okay? So if you give someone something they deserve, you haven't shown mercy on them. Mercy is not giving one what they deserve. It is connected with the thought of forgiving now, forgiving is um, an old English, old English origin. The prefix F-O-R, for, uh, means to not give. It means to not. So, it applies a negative connotation to the verb give. So, when we say forgive, it means to not give. So, when we, when we forgive someone... It means we do not apply the just consequence of their action. Pastor mentioned just a few minutes ago that sometimes Chuck can be a hard man to, to um, embrace. But you know, someone once told me something. He said, be kind to everyone because everyone is having a bad day. Hey, let me ask you, how nice are you when things are not going well? Sometimes we're not so nice, are we? So, we need to understand that people seldom say what they really feel and often do what they otherwise would not do when they're going through difficult times. So just forgive. Just be willing to say, no big deal. And... Don't hold any grudges. We're to, by the way, Jesus said, forgive. How? 
as your Father has forgiven you. Do you want God to apply the same justice to you that we sometimes apply to other people? I don't. So, Christians need to be taught to forgive. Now again, someone may be a believer and they're not a forgiving person. It might just be they've never been taught how to forgive. The philosophy of the world is an eye for an eye. I will give him what he deserves. I don't get mad. I get even. Right? That's the world's philosophy. But Jesus himself demonstrated the greatest act of forgiveness we could ever hope to see. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23, please. Everyone turn to it. Luke chapter 23. And we're going to read verse 34. Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Where was Jesus when he said this? Can anyone tell me? And who was he asking the Father to forgive? Those who have, are what? Crucifying him. Wow. You know, I don't know if I could do that. As men were mocking me and laughing at me and beating me and nailing me to a cross and I don't know that I could look out there and say, God, please forgive them. They, they have no idea what they're doing. I, I, just, I just don't know if I could do that. I'd like to be able to say, stand here and say I could do that, but I'd be lying to you if I, if I told you that, because I don't know if I could. Could you? Can you say you could? But that's the, that's the spirit we need to have, a spirit of forgiveness. While we're being wronged, we are forgiving. This spirit of mercy is evident in every child of God. It's there. Do you understand that? The spirit of mercy and forgiveness it abides and exists within every child of God. Now, before we were saved, we, had, we couldn't have possibly done this. But as, as God's children, abiding within us is the ability to forgive everything. The question is, are we willing to exercise that ability? Stephen did. In Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60, we read, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen demonstrated that same forgiveness Jesus did. Why? Because the Spirit of Christ dwells within him. Therefore, that Spirit of forgiveness dwells within him. And you know, it's easier to forgive men the wrongs they do to us if we keep our eyes where they ought to be. If we keep our eyes on Christ and look at what awaits us there, then what happens here pales. Problem is, we get our eyes off of Christ. We get our eyes off of eternity to come. And we focus them on the material things of this life. And in doing so, we lose sight of Christ.
And it is then that we fail. It is then that we fall. Keep your eyes on Christ. And the Spirit that lives within us, the Spirit of Christ which dwells within us, will guide us and lead us into all righteousness. Doesn't the Word of God tell us that? Doesn't it? Doesn't it say that the, that the Holy Spirit will lead us into righteousness? But sometimes we push Him out of the way. Oh, I don't want to get off to preaching again. We're teaching, so let's not go there. We live in a crooked world, one filled with lies and deceits. And the true child of God is a man of mercy. And he will be a part of the rapture of the church. Number six, those of a pure heart. Those of a pure heart. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now in this I see sincerity. Now sincerity is open and genuine. It's, it's, not being, it's being open and genuine, not being deceitful. Sincerity. What you see is what you get. Not having any, any, any forethought or malice. Not having a hidden agenda, but open and honest and sincere in all that we say and do. We live in a, as I said, we live in a crooked world, one filled with lies and deceit. And the true child of God possesses a sincere heart. He expresses genuine love and compassion. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Sincere. Now, I've known many who profess to be Christians, um, yet as soon as, they, you, as soon as your back is turned, they slander you, they attack you, they speak evil of you. Now, they may be a Christian, but again, if they are, they sure haven't been taught, have they? And by the way, let me just say, there's a lot of people out there who are true believers, who are, who are, who are the elect saints of God, who may not, who may not attend church and, and who, who may not be taught these things. This is why church is important. This is why Sunday school is important. Because when we come to Sunday school and sit under the teaching of the Word of God, we are taught principles of biblical living. And we learn how a Christian ought to walk. How he ought to live. I would would rather have a man come right up to my face and tell me that he does not like me. I'd prefer that than than to have a man pretend to be my friend. um, And when I'm not looking, attack me. say, Say things about me to my friends. Now... I'm not, I'm not picking sides here, and I don't want to offend anyone, but I taught school for 17 years. And let me tell you something. Two boys get a, have a problem with each other. What do they do? They go out in the parking lot, and they duke it out, and get it done. And after that, they're the best of friends. Amen? You know I'm right. But girls... 
Oh my goodness. The viciousness. I can't tell you how many hours I spent talking to parents, calming down mamas over two girls who were having it out over a boy. My son Dalton Jr. one time, there were two girls, good friends, two good friends, and they both liked my son, and they were, they were tearing each other apart over it. And I called him in my office. We sat there one day. I said, you two are fighting over, over Dalton? I said, look, you don't know Dalton like I know Dalton. He is not worth fighting over. One of you flip, flip a coin. Somebody pick because the other one will get him in a little while because the first one is going to dump him. But girls, and sometimes Christians behave that way too. Sometimes Christians can be pretty cruel to each other. But you see, we should be sincere. We should be of a pure heart. And it goes back to what I said about forgiveness. If you understand that people say and do things they otherwise wouldn't say and do when they're under stress, and just, just be willing to forgive and, and forget about it. But you know, if you, have a, if you have a problem with someone, go to them and talk to them about it. Just be open and honest and, and say, look, you know, I, I want to fix this because I like you and I want to be, be your friend and let's get it, let's get it resolved. Those of a pure heart. Number seven, I've got to keep moving because I want to finish this today. Those of a tender heart. Those of a tender heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, I'm sure that all of us today would like to believe that we are tender hearted. I think if, if, I, if I took a poll from everyone today, they'd, I think we'd all say, yeah, I'm, I'm a tender hearted person. Um, yet I, I'm often troubled by the cruelty I see in this world, uh, even among Christians. Now, I was raised, of course, in a different generation than, than we have today. And uh, I, I grew up in a generation where if your candidate didn't win for president, you didn't, start, you didn't go out on the street and riot and, and, and all those things we see. But then again, I grew up in a generation where we didn't believe we were entitled to everything we want. I grew up in a generation where we believed you have to go out and earn what you want. You have to work for what you want. And just because the guy next door has it doesn't mean you're entitled to it. You're not entitled to anything. You earn what you get. And you young people in here better hear this. Don't depend on the government to supplement your income. Get out and, if you have to, get a second job. I have, I, that's what I do. I work two jobs. I work two jobs to take care of my family. And if I have to, I'll go out and work a third one. Because I don't believe I'm entitled to anything other than respect. Every man's entitled to respect, amen? But I'm troubled when I see the, the cruelty. We need to remember the admonition of Paul in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. Let's turn to that. We have, we have a couple minutes. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking 
be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, wait a minute. The liberal is going to say, yeah, well, you, you preach tolerance, but you don't show tolerance. Listen, we shouldn't tolerate what the Bible calls abominable. We should not tolerate what God condemns. So, yeah, I'm not going to be tolerant of homosexuality. <gasps> you shouldn't say that. Well, I'm sorry I did. Mute it out if you want, erase it, whatever you want to do. We shouldn't be tolerant of abortion, which is murder. Call it whatever you want. It's murder. And I can turn to scriptures and show you God speaking to a, a fetus in the womb. It's a life. It's a soul. And it's murder. It's women who want to go out and have sex and then don't want to pay the consequences. Oh, there I go to preaching again. Cruelty is a horrid thing. Consider the cruelty our Savior endured at Calvary. He was beaten. His beard was pulled out. Not shaved, pulled out. You guys ever pull, pull part of your beard out by accident? I was zipping up a jacket one time and I had a full beard. Right up to the neck. Ah! There was hair sticking out of it. I cried. I was bleeding. My dad had to help me. And that was just one little strip. He had his entire beard pulled out. He was spit upon. He was mocked shamelessly. And all of this was done for hatred and bitterness sake. And we know that bitterness will destroy Thing it touches. Hebrews chapter 12, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The true God of God possesses a tender heart. He is one that loves because he is loved. Think about the love God has for us. And when you do, you'll find it easier to love others. And then lastly, who will be a part of the rapture? Those of an enduring heart. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. This is what we refer to as perseverance. Persistent Persistent determination. True children of God persevere. Now this is not to say they don't fail. And they don't fall. However, this does mean that they do not utterly and finally fall away from the grace of God. Mark chapter 13 and verse 13. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Listen, this easy believism that we see in our Baptist churches today is not biblical doctrine. It is rank heresy. There is no easy believism. There is only faith and perseverance in and through the blood of Christ. Will we become offended? Yes. Will we fall? Yes. Will we fail? Yes but we will always endure and persevere 
in and through the blood of Christ. A true child of God might get offended and might step away, but he will always return to the church. Maybe not the church that offended him and he left, but he'll return to the church because it's in his heart to do so. It's in his heart to endure. I don't know what more to say about that. But I do know this, in Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. There's going to be a lot of people in that day that are going to be very surprised when the Lord tells them to depart from him into everlasting punishment because they've believed a lie or they just failed in, their, in the expectations of, that, they, that God has for them. So if we are children of God, then let us live like children of God. Let us, let us project the, the image that Christ says a child of God should project. Now, again, many are not taught that. So thank God and be happy that you attend a church where we teach biblical doctrine and biblical principles. Never take that for granted because there aren't too many. There aren't too many. All right, folks. Well, it's time to go. And uh, thank you for being here today. And I hope um, I said something to help you. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org